You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Tim Brooks. Well, by now your Bible ought to fall open to Romans. Turn to Romans chapter 12 and we're going to get started. Romans, as we have been seeing is a presentation of the gospel message. It is a, an explanation of our salvation as we're moving from an old covenant to a new covenant for, for us as we are moving from an old way of life into a new life as we're walking with God. As always, throughout Scripture, you can get way out of balance and get into false doctrine if you camp on any one verse. And you have to know that. My favorite two verses in the Bible. Judas went out and hung himself. Go ye therefore and do likewise. Now, if you take, well, it's just in the Bible, Tim. I get that. But you can make the Bible say anything. You can make the Bible say anything. You got to put it in context with the scripture. So there is a verse that says, Judas went out and hung himself. There is a verse that says, go ye therefore and do likewise. Okay, you put those two verses together, we got false doctrine. And that happens on a very regular basis when people are saying they're standing on the word and they're only believing scripture. Well, what do you believe about scripture and does it fit in all of God's word? The entire letter of of the entire letter from Paul to the church at Rome is a presentation of salvation, not just one sentence in there. Now, we've seen some very controversial statements, but they're only controversial when you don't put them in context with the whole scripture. So far, we've looked at the sovereignty of God. We've seen the sinfulness of man. Uh, We've seen the wrath of God loosed on man's sin. We've seen salvation to the lost. And now, as we begin chapter 12, Romans is going to make a major turn. A major turn is going to take place in the presentation of the gospel. And, And you've got to be aware of this as we start into chapter 12. Romans, up until this point, has been completely and totally vertical. God and man. Our, our approach to God, God's a forgiveness of man, our sinful nature, God's forgiveness, grace. It's been, it's been a complete vertical presentation of salvation. Well, in keeping with what I just was talking about, let's put the whole gospel together there is a horizontal side to this that has to do with man to man. Salvation is not just between you and God. Me and Jesus got our own thing going. Well, that's good, except what you and Jesus got going on has got to include other people in that, or you don't have it going on. If you're not involved in an inner working and a connecting with other people, and, and well, me and Jesus, we're just got our own thing going. Well, you've got the vertical side of salvation, but you are failing to see the horizontal level here. And this is a switch now that Paul is going to make 
as we look at our inner relationships with one another, how we're to respond to each other, how we're to react, and how do we live life with, un- with one another. What do people see when they see you? We are to be a written epistle. People are to see the Lord as in us as we live our life. Our marriages reflect God and the church. I mean, there is a lot that takes place in daily life that we cannot overlook. Uh, And I hear it, you do too. Well, Tim, God looks at the heart. God looks at the inside. God doesn't care what color you dye your hair. God doesn't care the way you wear your clothes. You know, look, that's true. God looks at the inner side. God looks at the heart. But what you need to know is the guy you are interviewing with for a job looks on the outside. He don't look in your heart. He looks on the outside. And unless you're asking God to hire you, if you're asking this guy to hire you, then you better be aware of the outside physical appearance here. No godly guy wants a girl that dresses and looks like you're dressing and looking right now. See, God doesn't care what you wear, but your future wife does. See, God doesn't care what you wear, but my wife cares very much about it. For years and years now, working with our college age intern program, I I mean, I would be every year, I'd be teaching about proper dress and proper physical care and and I'd be teaching them, look, don't dye your hair half red and half green and wear a haircut that looks sharp on you and don't wear wrinkled and unkept clothes. Just teaching how to live life and how to live it successful every year without fail. I would face a group of students who would have to come to my office and set me straight. Tim, we've been reading the Bible and we've got to talk to you. God does not care about what we, show me in the Bible where this is wrong. You show me, God looks at the inside of our heart. God looks at the inside of the cup to which over the years I would always respond. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. You win, I stand corrected. I'm going to change our dress requirements around here. As a matter of fact, next week here, I understand your parents are going to come here to school and visit you. I'm looking forward to having them and having them visit our church. I'm just thrilled about this new freedom we have around here. When your parents are here, I'm coming out and preaching a Sunday morning sermon in a Speedo bathing suit. By the look on their face, all of a sudden, what we wore made a huge difference. See, okay, I'm going to meet your parents and preach the Sunday morning sermon in a Speedo. Oh, whoa, whoa, Tim, oh my gosh. Okay, well, hold on. Is what we wear important? Is it not important? Now, absolutely, God does not care about the fact that your pants are worn down around your knees and your underwear is showing and you got orange hair, God doesn't care. God doesn't care whether I preach in a Speedo bathing suit. God doesn't care about that, but people do. And the message of the gospel is, we got to be concerned with our relationship with people as well as just our relationship with God. People have to be important to you. People, are you hearing me? People have to be important 
to you. Right now, I'm trying to get a job and I'm trying to get a people to hire me, not God. See, right now, I'm not wanting to marry God. I'm wanting to marry a girl. So I've got to dress and act and talk and be presentable in a way to attract a God. Are you getting this? I get it. I get it. God looks on the inside. But you look like you're going trick-or-treating every day. Come on. That won't work out here in life to cause you to live the blessed life you're wanting to live. Chapter 12 of Romans. A presentation of our salvation turns from a vertical look to a horizontal look. Chapter 12, let's get started. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You'll not find a day of the week mentioned here. It's not just on Sunday. It's not just one day a week that we reserve for God. Give your bodies to God. Give your bodies to God. Not just Sunday morning. Not at a certain age. Not for women only. Not a one-time deal. We daily, all of us, place our life at God's disposal. God, I belong to you. I belong to you. A living sacrifice. A holy sacrifice. The word sacrifice is just, we've lost that in our consciousness. We don't live a sacrificial life anymore. We do whatever we feel like doing at the moment. I want you to know we always think of death with a sacrifice because of the old covenant sacrifices but right here we're talking about a living sacrifice okay this is the way you live your daily life verse one give your bodies to God be a living and holy sacrifice it's what we call sacrificial living yes I don't want to do that but I'm going to do it anyway I don't want to go to church, but I'm going to go to church anyway. I don't want to go over and visit this person, but I'm going to go and visit them anyway. It's called sacrificial living. And as we daily live our lives, we are called to live a holy sacrifice. Now, I want you to see this word. Because of all God has done, there are sacrifices that I I'm called on to make. Just sacrifices that I'm called on to make. There are things that I don't wear. There are places that I don't go. There are places that I don't entertain. There are movies that I don't watch. It's called sacrificial living. I don't go there to get a sandwich and a Diet Coke. I don't want anybody in this church to drive by and see my truck parked in front of that place because when they drive by they don't know that that's all I'm drinking 
Now, maybe I want to go in there, but I don't because I'm concerned about somebody else. Are you getting this? I don't because I'm concerned about somebody else. The way you drive your car, the way you act, the way you live, the way you do, the way you drive your car down through a neighborhood where people are asleep. Come on, it's called sacrificial living. Verse 1, now this is interesting. Look in verse 1. This is truly the way to worship him. Interesting, interesting. The way you truly worship him, our worship is not only in church with music, but you worship God by giving your bodies to him as a living sacrifice. When I want to do something and I don't, that is a form of worshiping God. Are you, are you seeing what he's saying here? Verse two, let's go on. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you. Now, I don't, where do we get? It's just what we do. Everybody's doing it. This is the way we, oh, come on, Tim. This is the way we do. Come on, whoa, whoa, whoa. read verse two. Read verse two. We don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. Now, some translations say conform. Some of your translations say copy. Don't conform to this world. Now, it's interesting, these two words. The word conform means an outward molding. The word transform is an inward change. A mascot at a football game that puts on a tiger suit or a bear suit or puts on a chicken suit is not a lion or a bear or a tiger. They are conforming themselves to that image. We're not called to conform. We're called to transform. See, God's not interested in you putting on a spiritual suit God's interested on the inside of a transformation taking place in your life. The Christian life is a transformation where you used to be like this, but now you are like that. Friends that you used to run with wouldn't even recognize the life that you're living now. It's a total transformation of your life. Romans is teaching on salvation. Don't let this world conform you. It's where we get the word of what we talk about. Let's don't dress worldly. Let's don't look, act worldly. See, salvation includes, yes, a vertical relationship between man and God, but salvation also includes a horizontal life that we live one with another. I want to just share right now just very quickly all of you men sitting there with Greg Horn watching us on live stream all of you men in South Louisiana in that teen challenge center I want you to know God's got a plan for your life God's got a purpose for your life and I want to see God move in your life and you be transformed where that old life is gone it's gone and you leave that teen challenge center Not having just put on a Christian cover, but you leave that Teen Challenge Center in South Louisiana totally transformed by the blood of Jesus that has transforming power. 
You men, I want you to know there's folks in Arkansas praying for you. Woo, I don't know where that came from. Verse three, verse three, let's read on. We got to move on. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. A proper evaluation of yourself is vital. Now, anytime you evaluate anything, you have to have a standard that you use. There is no evaluation unless you have a standard. Now, the word tall or the word high, it means nothing without a standard. This podium is tall if that TV monitor right there is our standard. If the Empire State Building is our standard, then this podium is not very tall at all. Now, in our life, we don't properly evaluate ourselves because we use a wrong standard of evaluating. And you talk to folks all the time. You talk to folks all the time. And I, I begin to talk to them about their drinking. And first thing they tell me is, well, I can tell you this, I don't smoke dope. You start talking to somebody who smokes something. You say, well, I can tell you this, I never shoot up. I'd never do that. See, you, you start talking to the prostitute. Well, I can tell you this, those girls over there, they won't stay on their side of the street and they come over here and start stealing our bit. See, everybody wants to evaluate themselves by somebody that they know that's worse off than they are. And we can always find, well, at least I'm not, well, I can tell you I'm not doing this. Well, I can tell you I've never done that. Well, 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 to get a proper evaluation of where you are, you use our, do you see what, use the faith of God in our life and how do we measure up to what God has called us to do? Verse two, don't use this world as our standard of evaluating ourselves. Verse 3, measure yourself by the faith that God has given to us. Not lining ourselves up with the world standard of how good we're doing, but line yourself up by the standard of what has God called you to do. Now, how well are you doing at that? How well are you serving the Lord and answering his call on your life? Some way, somehow, We've got to stop this evaluation of ourself based on other people. I mean, the house that you have and the house that somebody else has is not a standard for you to base your evaluation of yourself on. The kind or the expense of a car that you drove here in and the expense of a car that somebody else drove here in is not a proper evaluation of a standard for your life. And if you're not careful, you'll come up with the wrong conclusion about yourself. How well are you answering the call of God that's on your life? This doesn't have anything to do with anybody else. This doesn't have anything to do with anybody else, how they're doing or what they're doing or how they're doing what they're doing. Verse three, it doesn't say don't evaluate yourself. It doesn't say don't evaluate yourself. As a matter of fact, it says to evaluate yourself. So you don't, I don't evaluate myself. Well, you're supposed to. 
How are you doing compared to what God has called you to do? How are you lining up, not with your best friend or not with so-and-so down the street, how are you lining up with God's call on your life? Now, we got to watch this as we go about our daily life. All right, verse 4. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special, special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. Well, the body is used in Scripture as an example. And, and there, it, it's an endless teaching point on using the body as things we could talk about in illustrating the way we're supposed to live our life. As the hand, how are you doing with the job the hand is created to do? The hand does not evaluate itself by how well the foot is doing. The foot's job is the foot's job and that has no bearing on the hand's job. We gotta stop comparing ourselves with each other. The right hand does not inflict hurt and pain or steal from the foot. I mean, there's just so much that we could talk about. The left hand does not decide to just go out here in life and live a little. I'm tired of being confined. I'm tired of all of this structure. I'm tired of all these chains holding me down. I'm going to go off out here and experience life and disconnect from the body and go live a little. The connection of all of the parts of our body is imperative. And at any time there is a disconnection, immediately death is going to start taking place. You remain connected in the body. I'm just so many things we could teach on if I had time to talk about this. But if I would throw something at you, your, your whole body would jump into action to shield that one part. But how quick are we to go, well, he had that coming. I'm glad to see him getting a little bit of that. He had it coming. How quick are we to not only inflict pain, but to kind of rejoice in seeing somebody else going through a difficult time in their life? We, you, everything about our body protects the other parts of our body. And that's the way we are called on to live. We rally around each other and come to the age of each other. Yes, many different parts, but we all belong to each other. There, there's just too, too much to teach here, but the example of the body is just endless. I mean, this is just a series waiting to be taught here when he uses the example of the physical body as to how we are to live our lives. God created you a part. You are one part, but you are a part. Don't ever think of yourself as insignificant. It's a real trick of the enemy to get you thinking that you can come and go as you want to because you're very insignificant to the whole body. Just get a little splinter and watch the whole body go into pain. Get, just get a little, a little speck of dust in your eye and watch your whole body go into, I mean, I got to get this thing out of here. See, there is an interconnection.
connection that we have with each other. And Paul is explaining this by this analogy. Absolutely. Once again, there definitely is a vertical aspect of our life with God and with man and how we hook up with God. But we've got to see that there also is a horizontal aspect of our salvation where we walk this out daily, our life here on earth with one another. Uh, I just, uh, I'd like to stop here and, and, and teach for the next six weeks on being a member of the body and all that that means and all that that teaches us. But we've got to move on. Verse 6. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If your gift is in giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take responsibility seriously. If you have the gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. God has created each of us so very different. And he has gifted each of us so very different for doing certain things well. And and only God picks the, the seed and the egg and unites them to make you, you. And in that union, God weaves into that DNA the ability to do certain things well. You did not choose the fact that math comes easy for you while so many others struggle. You didn't choose that. You didn't choose to struggle at math while it apparently just is a no-brainer for everybody else in the class. Your parents didn't choose that. God wove into you a gifting. He wove into you a gifting. And and this is a game changer when you begin to understand the giftings that we're created with. You sat right in the same math class as this person did. She never did even study. And she made 100 plus the bonus points. And you studied, studied, studied and made a 65. Now, what's fair about that? Giftings. 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 You had the same PE teacher. You had the same junior high coach. You had the same senior high coach. And this one guy in your class went on to play pro ball and made 10 million a year. And you watched the game from the bench. Well, giftings. It's a woven into your DNA giftings. Why is it that my mom had me year after year after year in piano lessons? I can't play anything on the piano. And others never took the first piano lesson ever. And they're placed circles around people with their gift. It's giftings. It's giftings. It's, it's giftings. Why, why do some people just walk up to an engine and, well, here's the problem, and other folks just stare at it? 
giftings. It's gift. Why do some people just, they get history, they get science, they, they get biology. And other folks, just, they didn't get it. They did not get it. In my 10th grade biology class, I was not passing. I was not even close to passing. I didn't get it. I, I didn't get any of those chemicals. I didn't get the table. I didn't get, I didn't, I, it just didn't sink with me. And, and I have to do something about this. So living on the ranch, this idea began to come to me. I'm a little bit of a salesman when I have to be. And so I got some massive iron pots. We had a cow that died. I cut that cow into four sections. I put those sections in those pots. I boiled all of the meat off of those bones. Then I took those sections out and I drilled holes and I wired them all together so that I had an entire skeletal structure of a cow. And I traded that to our 10th grade biology teacher for an A first semester and second semester. Far as I know, that skeletal structure still hangs in the biology department of my high school. Well, <clears throat> I couldn't get it. I couldn't get it. But there wasn't another other kid in that class that could boil a cow and take those bones and wire them together and make a skeletal structure either. They couldn't get that. It's called giftings. You're different. You are very different. And we've got, what's tragic in life is, we've got kids having such low self-esteem because they don't understand their giftings. They don't enjoy being a part of the basketball team, but you're never going to compete with this guy over here. But that doesn't mean that you're not worth something because you are equally as good in another area as he is in that area. Maybe you're not this height or you're not this size, but you are something else. See, we're, I'm talking to you about giftings. Your parents didn't choose this. You didn't choose this. It was woven into your DNA. I've told y'all countless times. I never one time ever got a spanking in school for stealing anything or for cheating in any way. But it was a never-ending source of spankings for talking. I was just gifted to talk. And what I had to say was much more important than what the teacher was saying. And she always needed to sit down and let me handle this thing. I just wanted to be up front talking. I'd never get up on that stage. I'd never talk. I'd never talk. That's the only place I ever wanted to be. He's up talking to everybody looking at me. I got spankings all my life for it. I mean, it's just, I, and I didn't choose that. Are you understanding? Giftings, giftings. And you will be frustrated your entire life with yourself and you will always deal with insecurities with others until you learn and recognize giftings. Why did God do this? God did this to create a, a mandatory interdependence on one another. We have to have each other. See, God created giftings because we have to have each other. I have to have you 
I have to have you in my life. A mechanic keeps my truck running. A carpenter builds my house. A typist types for me. A doctor keeps me healthy. A laundromat owner presses my jeans. A farmer grows my vegetables. There is an inner dependency that we have on each other. And it's only when you quit feeling so insecure and so worthless and I'm not good at anything and I'm not worthy of anything and God could never use me. It's only when you understand giftings and see what you're gifted at and you come out of that that then you walk through life with your head up and walk through life being blessed. Because you are vital in this life. You are vital in this life. See, God looks down and he sees we don't have a typist, a mechanic, a doctor, a plumber. And so they, he gifted you and put you in this area at this time. Uh, uh, Acts, I believe it's chapter 17 says, God chose the times, the boundaries of your habitation. He put you where he put you with your giftings. And what are you doing? feeling sorry for yourself and I don't fit in and I'm not accepted. I'm not good at anything and I can't do. Instead of seeing what you have that other people don't have. Because I can tell you, you have things that other people don't have. But we spend all of our time looking at how great this one is at that, how great that one is at this, and then you look at yourself and you see nothing that you're good at. Well, what is it that you are good at? Nothing, nothing. Well, you're wrong. There is something. There is something that you have a knack for. And we belittle that instead of see it and begin to develop it and use it for other people's good. Very interesting the way God created life to work. And it's very interesting the way our economic system in America is set up. That's why we are so against changing our economic system. Because it is set up what we call a win-win. What that means is the more I give to you, the more is given to me. I can't increase unless I bless somebody else. And that causes us to use the gifts for each other, what the scripture says, common good. And the more I serve you, the more blessed I am. The more people I bless, the more blessed I am. The more number of people I can help with my gift, the more blessed I am. See, it's the way God has created this for us to use our giftings to bless other people. Well, all you can do is just fix a leaky pipe. Okay? Well, you fix a leaky pipe in somebody's house and you've really blessed them. You've really blessed them. They pay you and now you're blessed. You want to be more blessed? Figure out a way to fix more leaky pipes. See, get you five or six other people, teach them how to fix a leaky pipe, and then you buy them a truck, and then you get you somebody answering the phone, and then you got 10 people out here fixing 100 people's leaky pipes. Now you've blessed 100 people a month. Now, are you getting this? The more you figure out how to bless more people, 
the more you are blessed. The less you want to bless people, the less you are blessed. You don't want to help nobody, then you aren't blessed at all. 1 Peter 4.10, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully, administering God's grace in its various forms. Verse 6, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as he's given you, your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. Your gift is encouraging others, be an encouragement. Your gift is giving, give generously. God has given you leadership, take the responsibility seriously. A gift of showing kindness, do it others gladly. Here we see what is called the seven motivational gifts. And these seven motivational gifts shape your personality. These gifts shape why you do what you do. These are the motivation for you doing what you do. And every person alive is woven by God with one or with two or maybe two and a half of these seven gifts. This is what motivates people. Looking back in my notes last week, it's been five years since I've taught on the motivational gifts here in verse 6, 7, and 8. The understanding of verse 6, 7, and 8 changes your life when you understand why you do what you do and why others do what they do. It's very sad right now that we are out of time, but I do feel a two-part series in our immediate future. We got to talk more about verse six, seven, and eight. I'll end with this. An understanding of the word of God as it explains to us how we're to live our daily lives sets your life on a blessed course. It's not a laborious task to read the word. It sets your life on a course to be blessed. Y'all stand. Lord, we give you thanks for the instruction that you've given us in your word. Lord, that our life is lived properly evaluating ourselves, properly understanding the gifts that we have, and your plan for us to use our gifts as a blessing to other people. Now, God, you direct us and you guide us as we live our life sacrificial, holy, and pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.